It's good that I didn't have to make announcements. I was talking coming in, and remember last week my voice went out. And uh, this morning my voice is already cracking, and Cecil gave me plenty of time to preach. So I guess he's expecting me to be long-winded this morning. I don't know what it is, but it's good to be here. And got a good crowd this morning, don't we? It's good to see people get out and uh, people not living in fear. I appreciate that. Last week we had 127, a good crowd this morning. And I believe that's a testament to people that trust in the Lord. Amen. If you've got your Bible this morning, we're going to be in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, chapter number 21. Revelation, chapter 21, and verse number 1 is where we're going to start our reading. So when you find Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1, you may stand to honor the reading of God's Word. A lot of people break nervous when a preacher goes to Revelation. Uh, Revelation, chapter 21, verse 1. If you're there, please say Amen. The Bible says this, Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, John speaking. He says, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true And faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful, and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, And idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Lord, I thank you again for this opportunity, Lord, to stand and proclaim your word. God, I just pray that you would use me as your vessel this morning. God, just give me the words that you would have me to say. God, I just pray that you would touch people this morning, God, that that hearts would be open and attentive unto your word. God, not what I say, but Lord, unto your word. And Lord, I just pray that if there's anybody lost, God, that you would save them this morning, save them from that awful place. God, I pray that you give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech to preach your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Revelation chapter 21. I like the book of Revelation. And everybody's all, you, you've always heard the saying, right, all good things must come to an end. You've heard that, right? You hear that a lot when you, when you go somewhere that you enjoy, like vacation. And, and I like to go on vacation sometimes. I'm not a big traveler. And, and you have a good week, and you go and you, you rest, and then you, you realize that you have to face reality again. See, that's what's no fun about, va- about vacation is, is eventually it comes to an end. And so we always say that all good things must come to an end, but really, a lot of times, bad things come to an end too. But have you ever heard anybody say all bad things must come to an end? I've never heard anybody say that. Have you? 
And so I, I thought about that this week as I was studying, and, and God led me to Revelation chapter number 21. And it's interesting that John writes this, and, and John, he wrote several books of the Bible, five in total, I believe. He wrote the Gospel of John. He wrote the Revelation of John, and then he wrote the three epistles of John. And they all give us a slightly different perspective, and, and the Gospel of John gives us the life of Jesus and his ministry and how that he, he ministered to people and healed people and all the things that he did. And the epistles of John, they were written to a church, and, and John was kind of telling the church how they needed to live, and it deals with the individual Christian life. And then we get to the Revelation of John. And what the word revelation means is just simply that God is revealing something to John. That John was on a prison island. He was a castaway. And John was given these revelations. John was given these things. And he was told several times, including in John 21, to write these things down. I believe when God revealed these things to John that he wanted this message to continue and go forward so that we today would still have these wonderful words that are written. Now, I want to tell you, if, if you've been to church for a while, you notice that it's kind of a taboo thing sometimes for people to go to the book of Revelation, but you should not be scared of the book of Revelation. It, it should put joy in your heart to read things like Revelation chapter 21. In fact, the Bible says that, that you'll be happy, you'll be blessed. Blessed is the man that reads and does these things, John says earlier in the book. And so we'll go straight into the message this morning. So John chapter 21 verse 1. John says he sees something. He says he sees a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. And then continuing on into verse 2, John, he says, And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And so the first question that we need to ask this morning in reading Revelation chapter 21 verses 1 and 2 is why God... Had to, will have to give us a new heaven and a new earth. And it all goes back to what Peter said. If you read your Bible very often, you'll, you'll kind of reminisce with these words and remember them. Second Peter chapter 3 says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. And then he goes on and in verse number 13 he says, Nevertheless we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. See this earth that we live in has been tainted by sin. And there's sin on every hand. Everywhere you look there's sin. You can't get away from it. You can't escape it. Do you know why? Because we live in a sinful body sometimes. We live in the flesh and sometimes if we're not careful that sin will actually overtake us and we will actually sin ourselves and so God is going to have to purge if you will all the sin from this earth now these are events that have not yet happened a lot of people like to argue views in revelation and that's not why I'm here this morning I'm not here to talk about those things but I can guarantee you that these things have not happened because we don't have a new earth amen we don't have a new heaven yet. We're still living in the here and now. We're not living in the future just yet. So John looks and he sees what we would call God's new city. 
Now John later on goes to describe, if you read on in 21 and into chapter 22, and I'm not going to do that for time's sake this morning or I would be long-winded, but he goes on and he starts to describe all the wonderful things that he sees in this city. He describes the pearly gates, he describes the walls and and, and all the things that are there and the foundations and, and the river of life and all the beauty that will be in heaven. John describes that. And that's the first thing he says, I saw a new city. But I want you to notice this. As he said that, he goes on to say this. He says, as a bride adorned for her husband. But before that, he says prepared. Do you see that word in verse number 2? He says prepared. Now it's interesting to me that because John the Revelator wrote this about preparation, that he also wrote the words in John chapter 14 verses 2 and 3, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not true, or were not so, I would have told you, I go to what? Prepare a place for you. He says, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may be also. See, John, on two different occasions, the first time that he wrote the word prepare down, it was from Jesus' mouth. Jesus was was telling these men that his, his time was about to end on earth and that he was going away to prepare a place for them. And then we fast forward several years, and then we find John on Patmos, and we fast forward even more time than that, and then John gets to see actually what God has prepared for you and I. Now I'm going to say this to you this morning, that we like to think we understand what heaven's going to be like. We like to think that, that from the description we read about the walls and the foundation and the gates and the river and, and all the wonderful things, that we, we understand what heaven's going to be like. But I want you to know that we don't have an idea this morning. Because John was not capable of writing down all the things that he was able to see. He was not in his vocabulary to be able to describe the wonders of what he saw when that new heaven and that new earth and that new city came down. He wasn't capable of it. And so the first thing I want you to see is the city. And that's wonderful. In fact, John, as I said, spends most of another chapter describing that city. But before John goes into that city, he talks about something else. See, heaven wouldn't be heaven if God wasn't there. And hell is what hell is because God is not there. Amen? See, I'm looking forward to pearly gates, aren't you? I mean, that'd be nice to see, but I'm not really impressed by pearls. In fact, I'm not really a guy that I, I don't... And, and if some of you are wearing it, it's okay, but I'm not into gold jewelry, okay? You'll never catch me wearing necklaces and a lot of rings and, and anything like that. That's just, that's just not my thing. And it'll be great. It'll be wonderful. But let me tell you, the reason that heaven is going to be so awesome is because God will be there. And we will finally, finally, finally get to be in the presence of God. And so we read on, I'm just going to read straight through it, preach expository this morning. And so we read on John, uh, uh, Revelation 21 verse 3. He goes from the city and he says, And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, or pay attention to, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. So twice in this verse, John writes down the fact that God will be with us. You see, he will dwell with them 
And it says, and he and God himself shall be with them. You should say amen right there, that God will be with us. Now, God is with us right now. Would you agree to that statement? That, that if you're saved, if you've been born again and the blood has been applied to your heart, that you have the Holy Spirit indwelling you. Amen? Or I, I, I was talking to a guy this week when we were talking about denominations. I'll even say Holy Ghost. Somebody gets scared, all right? And we have the Holy Ghost living within us, but that day we will be able to see God for who He really is. We will have that, that glorified body. And it says that we'll, we will be with Him. And not only will we be with Him, but it, that it's going to be a thing where God actually reaches down and does something. Read on in verse number 4. And it says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Any of you that have children will understand this uh, anytime one of my kids gets hurt, uh, what's the first thing they do? Whether, whether it's bad or not, they start crying, right? Have y'all ever noticed that little kids are really good actors? Would y'all say amen to that? You ever see that, Tanner? I mean, it don't matter if they just bump their toe on the, on the corner or, I mean, if they face plant in a gravel driveway, it's the same reaction. They're going to start screaming, right? And, and Barrett and Shaylee, they do this, and, and they do it to get attention most of the time. That's why kids do that. And, we're, and there's no little kids in here, so I can say we're on to them, right? We're, we're, we know what's going on. And we, we see that, and the first thing they'll do is, is, is my kids, they, they have got this from their mama. They get them big old alligator tears in their eyes. They do. And, and I don't care how... how not serious it is, how, how just if they're barely hurt, Shaylee especially, she's a daddy's girl, she'll come running to me with her arms out and she'll say, Daddy, this happened. And the first thing I'll do, and, and you as a parent or a grandparent, you do it too, is you grab that kid up, and then I like to, and I think of this verse every time I do it, I like, I like to wipe Shaylee's tears away. You ever done that? And that reminds me of one of these days that I'm going to get to run to God with my arms wide open, and he's going to be able to wipe my tears away. It says that. That's Bible, right? I'm not, if I was making that up, it wouldn't be so great. But it says, and God shall wipe away their tears. Not that he's going to have one of his angels do it. Not that he's going to send somebody on his behalf and say, hey, all those tears, I'm going to wipe them away. It says that God himself will wipe away our tears. That's a blessing right there. And, and, and then he goes into what I like to call the no mores. He starts talking about all the things that we will not have to deal with this week. Just this week in the church, or it may be part of, the, part of last week, we've had three deaths associated with this church in one way or another. And there's two different families having to drive back in from out of state because they've had to go and, and put somebody in the ground. The Bilbrey family and, and also the Wood family, they're both, they're both coming back in this morning and they're having to deal with that very thing that is so sure and you think back of, of all the people that have died in your life and, and I'm kind of looking forward to the fact there's going to be no more death aren't you I'm happy that that I don't have to uh, as a preacher 
I have a duty to preach funerals. But I'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of it. It's not that, that when I get the, the, the phone call, hey, brother so-and-so has died, and since you're the pastor, you're going to have to hold the funeral. I don't just jump up for joy and say, oh, yeah, I'm excited about that. Some preachers might, but, the, but that's not just me. Why? Because just to be honest with you, I don't like death. I understand that the book of Psalms says in 116 that, that, the, that the death of a saint's precious in the sight of the Lord. I understand that. I get it. And people get to go to heaven. But it's not a process that I enjoy. And he says that there will be no more death. And then he goes on to, and, and God is telling him to write these things down. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow. See, after death ends, after someone passes away, then the sorrow sets in. It's not just that, that you, you bury someone and it's over with. Then you have to deal with the sorrow that comes with it and nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. And I like what he says. He uses a phrase that we commonly associate with death, don't we? When somebody dies, what do we say? They passed away, right? And I like what he says here. For the former things are passed away. That tells me that one of these days that death is actually going to die and that sorrow is going to die and that crying is going to die and that pain is going to die and it's going to be over with. But it doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, for the former things are passed away. And then he says in verse 5, and he that sat upon the throne said. Now this is one of the very few times in the book of Revelation that you will hear God say something. Most of the time in the book of Revelation, when you read it, it's either John speaking, or it's an angel speaking, or it's Jesus speaking. But John takes a minute to, to make us aware of the fact that God himself is about to say something to us. So let's see what God has to say to us. And he that sat upon the throne, that denotes that it is God speaking, says, Behold, I make all things new. Now this, we, we all like new, don't we? I, I like new things. Uh, everybody in here, we like to, to get new things. And if you, you act like you don't, then you're lying. We all like to get new vehicles or new homes or, or new clothes or, or whatever it may be. We like things that are new. But you think about this. If you go down to the dealership and, and get a new car right now, it's going to cost you, what, fifty or $60,000, something like that. And you buy that car and you pay for it. And you start it up and you drive it off the lot. Do you realize that that car is just made out of probably a bunch of other cars that have been scrapped and recycled and just stamped into your car? Really, that's not a new car, is it? You think about that. Am I right or am I wrong? But God, when he does something, he says that he makes all things new. Now, when he spoke this world into creation, it was new. Back in the book of Genesis when we see that God, he spoke the light into existence and the firmament and the water and all the animals and man. And, and for 6,000 years now we've used this earth and used it and, and now this thing's kind of used and, and we're kind of used up. But one of these days God said this, he is going to make all things new. Do you see that? That's scripture, isn't it? That he's going to make all things new. Now my mind is not capable of wrapping around what all things are. But I guarantee that it's going to start with me and you. Because I know that one of these days we're getting a body. And guess what? It's going to be new. Amen? Are you looking forward to your new body? 
I was, I was with Brother Bill Harrison this week, and, and I love him. He's a, he's a sweet man. And he was talking about his, his, his having both knees replaced. And he said, you know, I got some new knees in there. But, you know, eventually those new knees, they wear out again. And I've known people that have to have replacements again. And, and you may get a new piece of hardware in your body, but one of these days that's going to wear out again. But when God recreates this whole thing, when God makes things new, it'll be something that will never wear out. Something that will not be cursed anymore. Something that, that will never, never diminish or never go away in any way, form, or fashion. He says, I make all things new. It would be really awesome if he just made a new heaven, a new, a new earth, and a new city, and we got to dwell in it. But it doesn't just stop there. He goes on to tell us that all things are made new. So we, we've seen the city of God, and we've seen the comfort of God. That God, I, I know he comforts us, and thank goodness for the comfort of God. If it wasn't for God comforting me down here, sometimes I don't know what I would do. But one of these days, that comfort is going to be an eternal comfort. And then we read on, and we'll finish, the, finish what I read this morning, just a few more verses. And we get to verse number 6. And this is God speaking again. God's still speaking. And he said unto me, these words, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. So God continues to speak, and, and he tells us about the, the, that all things are new. And then he says these three words that is a wonderful little phrase that a lot of times we look over. He says, it is done that means that when we get to this point whenever that may be I, I'm not going to try to give you a prediction of, of when Jesus is coming back and I'm not going to talk about all the things that will happen between now and then but when we, whenever that is that we get to Revelation chapter 21 verse number 6 and God's going to look out over us remember the new heavens in place the new earth is in place. The new city is in place. And we're there. And he says, it is done. See, this has been a, a work in progress for a while. This all started many, many years ago, depending on who you talk to, uh, something like 6,000 years ago, that when God created the world... And then Satan came and he polluted the world with sin. And it set into motion a series of events so that man could be right with God. Because when sin showed up in Genesis chapter 3 and there was an enmity put between God and man, then all these years that we've had to go through something or go to something to get to God. In the Old Testament it was the law. That man had to make these sacrifices and you had to give your very best animals and give the very best of what you had so that your sins could be forgiven. And then in the New Testament that you had, that Jesus had to die on a cross for your sins and that you had to accept Jesus as your Savior and believe in your heart and all these things are coming to pass. And now we're still sitting here waiting, right? I mean, I'm waiting on Jesus. He still hadn't come back. But when we get to this point in Revelation, God said, it is 
done. God could have put a big period right there and said that's the end of the sentence. But he's going to give us some more here in a minute and, and I'll get into that. But he said it is done. He said, I am Alpha and I am Omega. Those are the beginning and the end of the Hebrew alphabet. He says, I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. That water of life, it gives us eternal life. And so we get to the end of it and we see what is basically the culmination of all humanity, of all history that we know about, of, of the whole story. The entire Bible makes itself uh, come, come to this one spot where God can say, it is done. You remember Jesus on the cross, he said something very similar, didn't he? He said, it is finished. But then God uses a different term and says, it is done. I have done everything that I needed to do. I sent my son to die on a cross. I came back and got the church. I, I fulfilled every single promise that I said I would, and now it is done. That means that if, if you're part of the, the, the ones that go to heaven, if you're part of the church, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you're standing there and you hear God say these things, then it's done. It, you're there for eternity. But the thing about it is he didn't stop talking, did he? God didn't stop. He goes on, and I'm going to read the last verse, and we'll be done in just a few minutes. He says, but. And you've got you to gotta read that, and you've got to see that. It's, it's glory for us. He says, he that overcometh. He talks about the church, and we're going to inherit all of these things, and, and he'll be our God, and we'll be his son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now remember, this is God still speaking here. This is not anybody speaking on his behalf. And as great as, as heaven will be, and is going to be, and hell's going to be that bad. Now I alluded to that at the beginning of the sermon, that heaven is going to be wonderful because God's going to be there, and hell's going to be that bad because God is not going to be there. See, down here, while you're, while you're still alive, if you're going through something or, or if, if you're, you're alive today, you still have a chance to cry out to God and something can be done. If you hear me this morning and you're unsaved, the good thing about it is that if you're sitting there unsaved and you know it, you can, you can do something about it. But see, one of those days when that, that lake of fire and brimstone, when it, when it opens up and people are cast into it like we read about in Revelation chapter 20, no more chance. You won't have the chance to cry out to God and say, God, save me. You know, the rich man from Luke chapter 16 would have loved to have done that. But he don't have a chance anymore. And God tells us about all these beautiful things and all these wonderful things. And then he said, but. He gives us a warning, doesn't he? He gives folks that, that chance and that opportunity one more time. 
Now he says it's done here. At this point, for those, it is over with. But now you still have a chance. We see the end of the story here. That's what Revelation is. And you can read on if you want to this evening and, and read the very end of the story. I like the end of the book that says that we win. God wins despite all the evil things going on in this world. God is still in charge. And I'm looking forward to heaven, but I sure don't want anyone to have to go to hell. Christians, that should open your eyes that people can die and go to hell. And if that's you this morning, I would beg you, I would implore you to come to the altar. He tells us these things, and he means it. Father, we love you. God, and we thank you for your wonderful word. Lord, I just pray that as your word goes out, Lord, that it would just pierce hearts. And God, that people would understand that this is, this is real. And Lord, I just pray that this morning that those that are saved, Lord, were comforted by your words. God, I just pray that somebody will, will take comfort in the fact that there's going to be no more death, no more sorrow, no more tears, no more crying. And God, I just pray that you would help those people that are struggling. God, maybe those, those people that are dealing with those very issues this morning. God, we know that you're the God of all comfort. And Lord, we trust you. But God, on the other hand, Lord, there's a warning in the midst of all this wonder, wonderful thing. And it is the fact that people can die unsaved and where they will spend eternity. God, I just pray that you would help and you would have your way this morning. Lord, we trust you. We thank you in Jesus' name.